I watched AIDS become an epidemic. Matter of fact, they called preachers in special meetings and told us that the AIDS virus would become epidemic before they could do anything about it. They said, you'll be burying so many people in your congregation and your family with it. They said, but we're going to get on top of it. And in about 15 or so years, they had something for it. And I believe they could do better with cancer, don't you? We're going to pray that they do better with that because cancer is one of Satan's worst demons. And uh, you can be male or female. It doesn't matter. You can be a believer or an unbeliever. Thank God for the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. While you're seated in such a lovely position, I want you to repeat something after me about our church. Would you repeat this? Carver is God's ministry. We are a fellowship in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now say this from your belly. We are empowered for good works by the Holy Spirit. Man, didn't, didn't you feel that prayer that Deacon Jackson prayed? I mean, he prayed from his spirit, man. I, and he called those things out that people had need of in the room today. I know God answers that prayer. That's praying the word. Would you repeat, by faith, we are committed to changing the world through radio, TV, internet, with our new media equipment. See, we're calling that forth. We praise God for using us. That's not everybody. In the salvation and healing of thousands set free through this church. By God's grace and our giving and faith in Jesus' name, we call forth media equipment and buildings to house our vision, train Christian disciples, and minister to hurting humanity. I will do my part in giving, tithing, and believing God to do the rest. Now, I, nobody's going to bother you. I just need you to close your eyes if you don't mind. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Because what I need you to see, you can see it better with your eyes closed. Nobody's going in your purse. If you think they will, put it up under your chair. Put your feet on top of it. Repeat after me. By faith, I see a building for worship and training filled with people participating in a flourishing ministry in Jesus' name. Yes, it is so. You clap your hands right there and let's appreciate the Lord for that. Just appreciate him for that. All right. I'm going to talk to you today about your prayers. Are your prayers working for you? If not, then you need to stretch your faith. I want to do that from 1 Samuel chapter 1. As you know, this is seed time and harvest. We thought we were going to fly away last Wednesday night. We were talking about seeds and how they multiply. And the word was so rich to us to know what God has given us in order to not just survive, but thrive. This Wednesday night will be even greater. The anointing of the Lord, the revelation will be even more, even more this Wednesday. 
you could do yourself no better favor than to be here at 6.30. I want to start reading this scripture from 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 5. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, meaning her husband would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely, this is another woman, to make Hannah miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked Hannah. And therefore, Hannah wept and did not eat. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept, and wept, and wept in anguish. Then Hannah made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Now that signifies he will be dedicated to God all of his life and that he never gets his hair cut. This familiar story in the Bible very quickly now is one that we identify with as we remember Samuel, the prophet, and how he came into the world, born to a woman who had lived for decades without a child. In her time, to be childless as a wife was to be a failure as a woman. When you talk about failures in society, the most useless woman in the community in those days was a woman who could not give her husband a son, not a daughter, but a son. Hannah could do neither. Her womb had been closed. And for whatever the physical reason that the Bible does not tell us about, Hannah could not conceive. Something was wrong with her body. Her body would not take the seed of her husband body would not produce a child and it was something physically wrong with Hannah but Hannah recognized something that a lot of people don't know God is a God of miracles would you say miracles now yes God is a God of healing but Hannah doesn't need healing Hannah needs a miracle healing makes something be what it ought to be maybe what it once was already. But a miracle means that something is done and it happens even though it's not supposed to happen. She's not supposed to get pregnant. Something is wrong with her body. But she prayed and sought God for miracles. The problem is, you read it with me, she's prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And prayed, 
and prayed. The Bible says she cried and prayed. And then she prayed and cried. She was in what the Bible calls the anguish or the pain. Pain in her soul from praying so hard, so long, and so fruitless. Have you ever been there where you just prayed, prayed, prayed and hoped, hoped and prayed, prayed and hoped, hoped and prayed and cried and prayed and cried, gave up, gone back, tried it again, couldn't get an answer. Hannah could not get an answer until she came up on a secret. Now, why do prayers go unanswered? Several reasons. First of all, we don't ask. Would you repeat that after me, please? We don't ask. James chapter 4, verse 1 said, What's all this fussing and fighting about? All of this strife among you? You have not because you ask not. You know, there are those that wish that God would move, but they've never asked him to move. They wish that God would change something, but they've never been specific about what they want to change. Here's the way we think. If I'm hurting, God knows I just want him to do something. But God is not a do-something God. If you want something from the Lord, the Bible teaches you have to ask him specifically. If you wanted $10 from me for something for yourself at school, you're a student in school, as these young people are, or it's for a project that they have, and every category is a $10 category, you would come up to me and say, Pastor, my child or the child might say, I need $10 on my project. That's a specific request. Now $10 is money. You could very well come up to me and say, would you give me something on the project and I'd give you 25 cents. But you don't need 25 cents. You need $10. Whatever you need from the Lord, you have to learn how to ask the Lord. But then we also make a mistake when prayers are unanswered because we have the wrong motive. Can you say the wrong motive? James 4 and 2 goes on to say, and when you ask, you don't receive because you ask amiss, seeking to consume it on your own lust. In other words, you're only asking because you're greedy. Or you're asking because you want to show off in front of other people. Or you're asking because you want more luxury in your life. When God is not in the business of making life luxurious, God will meet our needs. How many can say amen right there? And God will grant the desire of your heart. How many can say amen there? But God is not in the business of making you famous for your sake. People read where God has blessed certain people with a lot of money. And say, well, that man said God blessed him to be a millionaire. Lord, make me a millionaire. For what? Well, I know what I'm going to do, Bishop. I hear the lottery is about $400 million. So we're going to just drive over to the Georgia line, make sure we get us a few tickets. Matter of fact, I told the people at work, so if they want to give me some of their money, I'll get them some tickets too. Oh, Bishop, I know we need to build a building outside. I'm telling you right now, I'm praying that the Lord let me strike the lottery so I can pay for that building. 
The truth is, you want the money because you're greedy. I don't have a witness here. You want the money because it will make your life more luxurious. People often say, well, if I get that lottery money, I'm going to give the church 10%. My response to them is, if you get the lottery money, why don't you give the church all of it? You won't miss it because you never had it anyway. You can't miss what you can't measure. I wish, I wish I had a little energy coming back to me. They say, well, no, you know, 10%. I mean, that would be real good right there. No, what would be good is you just passed it right on and went right back to the way you were living, thanking God that you were able to give $300 million to the kingdom. I don't have a witness in the house anywhere. But here's the third reason, doubt. Everybody say doubt. James 1 and 6 says, when you pray for wisdom, that you have to pray doubting nothing. You have to not doubt because you're considered as a person who's wavering. And a wavering man is unstable in all of his ways. And God will not bless you if you're wavering. When you go to God in prayer, not only must you ask, but you have to ask in faith. Or you have to believe that you already receive. You have to believe that you receive it while you're asking. Not that you will receive it or you can receive it or you might receive it, but that you do receive it. I wish I had a witness. You pray for somebody who's sick and say, well, the Lord wants to heal you. The Bible said with Jesus stripes, you were healed 2,000 years ago. Do you believe that? And you know what they'll say? Oh, yes, I believe God can heal. Well, that's unbelief. That's not belief. Belief says, oh, yes, I believe that I am healed right now. Oh, yes, I believe that that door is open right now. Oh, yes, I believe that I have that job right now. No doubt. But then the next thing is unconfessed sin. The Bible says in Psalm 66 and 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Say unconfessed sin. Yes. 1 John 1, 9 says when a Christian sins, they need to admit it. It said, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, sinners don't confess their sins because they don't have a Lord to confess them to. Sinners can repent of their sin, turn from their sin, but a Christian has to confess his or her sin. The word confess is the Greek word homologeo, which means to agree with God. That if God said that's wrong, I'm saying, yes, Lord, I was wrong. And if I have sin in my heart, if I regard it in my heart, I have stopped up. I have created a dam in the channel for my blessing. My prayer can go up, but my answer will not come down. Because what is in my heart has blocked the passageway. Unconfessed sins. Do you know that God can't forgive you if there's unforgiveness in your heart? I wish I had a witness. You, you say, well, I can't get, I, I don't know why my prayers aren't being answered. The first place you need to look is in your heart to see if you're holding grudges against anybody. Because the Bible teaches that if you're holding a grudge against a person that you have automatically said to God, don't pay any attention to my prayers. I have to have a clean heart. Can anybody say a clean heart? 
I have to forgive even the person that's wronged me the most. I don't get to selectively choose who I will forgive and who I'm going to hold something against because you don't know what they did to me. The truth is God wants you to learn whatever they did to you. It ain't near as bad as what you've been doing to him. I wish I had some help here. I don't know why we think that we're so right and everybody else is so wrong. Whatever damage anybody did to you can't even amount to what you've done against God. Every time God blessed you, you wouldn't even tell him thank you. I wish I had a witness. Didn't even know how to pray or praise. You neglect reading the word. Neglect having a devotional life. Neglect doing the good things that you ought to do. And have the unmitigated gall to run in and ask God to bless you when you haven't done one thing for him this week, this month, this year. And then you want to talk about what somebody did to you. The truth is, the Bible teaches, if you really want to get your enemy back, show them love. Oh, I don't have a witness here. The truth is, the Bible said, you will heap coals of fire upon their head. Show them love. Remember the story of the man and the woman that were married, and the woman came to her pastor, and she said, I just don't know about my marriage. <laughs> so that man I'm married to, so he's just, he's just terrible. The pastor said, well, what about the Bible? Have you tried heaping coals of fire upon his head? She said, no, but I did pour some hot water on him. <clears throat> heaping coals of fire upon the head means you burn them up with shame. They stabbed you in the back on the job. Yeah, they did you wrong. They did you bad. And rather than you come in cussing and fussing with an attitude and a frown, you come in and speak a blessing over their life. Next of all, when it's not God's will for me, when it's not God's will for me, 1 John 5, 14. Sometimes we pray and it's just not what God wants for your life. You're trying to decide whether to live here, live there, live in this city or that city, buy this item or that item, buy that house or not that house. And if you've been like I've been, you've fallen in love with something and it ain't even yours. You see that house over there and man, every time you drive by that house, you want that house. You told everybody, now that's my house right there. And lo and behold, one day the house comes available. And when you get ready to pray over it, you feel something on the inside. And the Lord says, uh-uh, I don't want you over there. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm just praying for that house. Y'all won't pray with me on that. Well, let's talk about relationships because I know you've done that with other people. You know how we are about claiming stuff. You hear the preacher preach about claiming, then all of a sudden you see somebody you claim. Oh, I don't have a witness here. I pastor churches where women would, would claim certain men. I had a, after church one night, a group of women went out, went out to a Shoney's restaurant, met a man standing in the line paying, his, paying the check. And she said, that's my husband. Wrote it down on a piece of paper, sealed it in an envelope, came into a prayer group and a couple of days later, said to the sisters in the prayer group, I need you to agree with me in prayer about this man. Said, what man? is a man I met at Shoney's the other night. 
That's a, who is the man? I don't know. Well, have you ever been out with him? Never been on a date with him. But the Lord told me that's my husband. I don't have any help. And the truth of the matter is we do try to live like that. According to what we see that we like, we think we can twist God's arm and get him to do it for us. But you got to be careful about that. Because the truth is those that you think you want, if you got them, you don't want them. You throw them back. I don't have a witness here. It's like the fellow, you know, that uh, was uh, touring the insane asylum hospital, kind of like Bryce, where I used to work. And they were walking through the insane asylum. They got on one ward, and there was this guy had a crash helmet on his head, and he was running, hit the wall, and holler, Mary. He'd back up, wait a minute, run, hit the wall again, crash his head against the wall, holler, Mary. He stepped back a few seconds later, he'd run, hit the wall again, holler, Mary. And the fellow turned in saying, Asylum said to his tour guide, said, what's going on with that fellow there? I said, oh, he was in love with a woman named Mary. And he was going to marry Mary. And they got all the way to the church, everybody all dressed up, and Mary didn't show up for the wedding. And he lost his mind. Ever since then, he'd been running into the wall, hollering Mary. About 15 minutes later, they got to another ward. There was a fellow down there, had on a crash helmet. He was running to the wall. He'd hit the wall, holler, Mary. He'd back up, run to the wall, hit the holler, holler, Mary. He said, now, what's going on with him? That's not the same man. He said, no, that's the man that married Mary. You don't know who you want because your eyes see them. You don't know who you want because you felt a little tingle. Some of y'all be quickening in Shona's like you be quickening in church. Boy, I just felt something. But then last of all, and let's go home, no plan to offer anything back. Plan, prayers often, listen, don't get answered because there is no plan to offer anything back to God. Now here's what verse 11 said. Hannah made a solemn promise. Almighty Lord, look at me. Good news Bible. Your servant. She's crying and praying. See my trouble and remember me. Don't forget me. Ever felt like God forgot you? Looked like he blessed everybody else, delivered everybody else, healed everybody else, gave money to everybody else. She said, don't forget me. If you give me a son, I promise that I will dedicate him to you for his whole life. And he'll never get a haircut. What is she talking about? That if you give to me, I'll give back to you. If your prayers aren't being answered, let me tell you, you need to learn the secret of giving back. Because that's what God is waiting on. God is not a slot machine and God is not a vending machine. God is not something you just go to and pray and get what you want. God wants to know what's in it for me. If I bless you, if I give you what you're after, if I, if I bless you with what you say you need, what are you offering back? Abraham gave back. Genesis 14 said that Abraham blessed, uh, uh, that Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies to your hand. And Abraham gave him 10% or a tithe of all. Jacob gave back which is Abraham's grandson. I preached about him last Sunday. The Bible said that Jacob 
said, and this stone which I have as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I will surely give a tenth to you. The truth is, God is waiting on you to make a commitment. Here's the question, and I'm done. Can God trust you? I said, can God trust you? You said, but I need an answer to my prayer. Yes, can God trust you? You said, but I come to church. I come to the house of God. I got a need in my life. But can God trust you? Can he trust you with what you're asking for? God said, if I give you a son, can I trust you? If I give you money, can I trust you? If I give you the job, can I trust you? If I give you the blessing, can I trust you? Can God trust you? Can God turn his back on you and you not take from him? I don't have a witness here. You say, well, yeah, God can trust me. Well, I don't know. I used to work on a job. I thought I was pretty trustworthy, but looking back on it, they couldn't trust me. Every time they were not looking, I took 15 minutes longer for lunch. But I still took the money when they paid me. I don't have anybody who did that other than me. Let me confess my sin. When they weren't looking, I put extra ink pens and pencils and pads in my pocket. And said they would never miss it because the company is so large. I don't have a witness here. I mean, can the company that you work for trust you? Can the government trust us? Somebody needs to run and ask Donald Trump, can we trust you? You haven't paid taxes in 20 years. Can we trust you? Can God trust you? I want to be the kind of man that God can trust. And what Hannah understood was we need to learn how to mix giving with our praying. The reason why prayers mostly don't go answered is because God is saying, I don't know if I can trust you with that. I don't know if I bless you with a car that you keep driving it to church. You might take that same car, go out somewhere on Saturday night, wake up Sunday morning and say, you too tired to go to church. God said, I don't know whether I can trust you or not. If I trust you with some money, you might get it. Put it down in your own pocket. Enjoy it with all you want. But then when we talk about mission and education, when we talk about building a church and doing what we need to do, you cry broke. Say, so I give you some money, you go out and max out credit cards, got paying so much interest on your debts until you don't have any money to put in my kingdom. Mix giving with your prayers. You know what Hannah did? Let's go home. Hannah offered her heart's dream. Listen to what she said. If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Listen, whatever we want from God, if you really want prayer to work, tell God I'll give it right back to you. Whatever you give me, I will live the kind of life that I will give it back to you. And listen, that son was going to validate her. I don't think you really understand how embarrassing it was for her not to have a son. How humiliating it was. All the women in her village talked about her. 
She was isolated, put down, cast out. She couldn't belong to any group, any club, any sorority. She couldn't be a part of any organization. She couldn't be a part of anything going on. When she would go downtown, everybody would point at her and laugh and say, that's the woman that can't give her husband a son. She said, Lord, I need the son. And if you give me the son, I'll dedicate him back to you. So secondly, she offered the ultimate gift, the fruit of her body. The tree is known by what? Now, if it's your tree, baby, if it's your tree in your yard, your tree, your yard, it grows fruit. Who gets the fruit? Let me try it again. Y'all flunked. If it's your yard, your tree, and your tree bears fruit, who owns the fruit? Who can eat the fruit? No, the tree can eat the fruit. No, it's the tree's fruit. The tree, the tree gave off the fruit. So the free, the, the tree gets first pick of the fruit. Am I right? Am I wrong? All right, you got a dog. You got a dog named Mikey. No, not Mikey. Mikey can't have puppies. Uh, What's a female dog's name that can have puppies? Now, you must know somebody by that name you don't like. Uh, your female dog has puppies. It's your dog in your house, but her puppies. Who do the puppies belong to? You all act like you're scared to say, now, I'm not, this is not a trick. I'm trying to get through to let you go home. Who do the puppies belong to? But but the dog had the pups. Oh, I'm God's child. I said, I'm God's child. I'm right here now in God's house. I am a branch that bears forth fruit. But the fruit doesn't belong to me. It belongs to I have no more right to claim my money as mine or my house as mine or my car as mine. All that I have belongs to God. The fruit of her body. That's why God said, I want your fruit. Oh, I bless you, but I want the fruit. I want the fruit of your time. I want the fruit of your talent. I want the fruit of your treasures. I want the fruit. She said, you give me a son, I'll wean him and leave him. He'll nurse from my breast, but I will wean him and leave him. Can y'all imagine what that must have been like? To finally get what you've been wanting for years. To finally get what you've been praying for and crying for and crying for and praying for. And then nurse it at your own breast. Although I don't, I don't really know what that's like, but I, I've seen it. You know, I use bottles for my children. You know, I couldn't help that. I, I'd be keeping the kids and they'd get hungry. We don't need them holding them up to my... Well... I'm just telling you what the truth is. I don't have that T-E-A-T. -E I don't have a T-E-A-T. -E 
That, that's actually how you spell that rather than what you thought the way you spelled it. But I'll let you look up Ted on your own. Cause I, did I say it anyway? T-E-A-T. It's in the dictionary. Mammary gland. Whatever. Brothers, brothers, why y'all? Come on now. Come on. The sisters, they about to leave me. And I'm trying to get through in three minutes. She said, I will nurse him, wean him, and leave him. Can you imagine what that must be like? Can you imagine to bring your child up to the church and leave them? And she said, I'll only see him once a year. Because she was only allowed in the temple once a year. She said, I will see him once a year. I will give him back to you, and then I will come and visit with him once a year. You say, I don't see how she did that. She did it because that's the way we're supposed to be about all of God's stuff. We're supposed to be willing to give over all of God's stuff. Everything that's yours. So for prayer, four things and let's go home. Number one, she prayed, says she prayed. She vowed, says she vowed. She worshiped, says she worshiped. And she conceived. She didn't go from prayer to conception. No, it's some stuff in between there. She prayed over it, but then she made a vow. Somebody here, you've been praying, but you never made a vow. You need to vow to God what you're going to do with it. She prayed, she vowed, and then she worshiped. I'm here to tell you, you got to cover your prayers with worship. Let me try that again. Cover your prayers with worship. I was so troubled. I was so troubled. I said, God, what's going on in our church? God, we need to move forward. We need to see more families come. We need to see more people get baptized. We need to see more miracles happen. I said, God, what's going on in the church? He said, it's about worship. He said, you can pray all you want, but you got to know how to worship. He said, you, you can beg me all you want, son, but you got to know how to worship. He said, you got to teach the people more about how to get into worship, how to get into my presence, how to feel my spirit, how to recognize my anointing. You got to teach them how to get lost in the worship. Oh, I wish I had a witness. I'll be through in a minute. This is football season. I watch the fans of the Crimson Tide and the Auburn Tigers when there's a touchdown. Do you see how excited they get? Do you see how the cheerleaders cheer? All because one boy had a bag of wind up under his arm and rode and, and, and ran until he crossed the finish line. Have you ever noticed how people lose themselves in excitement? Oh, if you lose yourself in excitement in a Friday night football game or Saturday afternoon college game, surely when I said Jesus saves, you ought to be able to lose yourself. When I said that he healed, you ought to be able to lose yourself. When these breast cancer survivors talk about how God healed their body, you ought to be able to lose yourself. When the singers sing about it's already done, you ought to be able to lose yourself. I say if you lose yourself, you can give birth to what you've been wanting. If you lose yourself, you can get the job you've been looking for. If you lose yourself, you can get the house you need to buy. If you lose yourself, you can get the car you need to drive.
life. If you lose yourself, you can get the breakthrough you stand in need of. Yes, lose yourself. Somebody talk about, well, I don't want to get that loose. Well, you don't want God's blessings. Because God don't bless nothing uptight. God don't bless nothing stuck up. God doesn't bless anybody that's afraid their mascara might run. Or they might tear their stockings. Or they might break their heel off their shoes. God wants to bless somebody that will say, to hell with my shoe. I want to thank God because he's been good to me. I don't care what others may say or do. I know who he is. I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to give up myself. I'm going to open up myself. I'm going to pour out myself. Everybody stand up. I'm through. Stand up on your feet. I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. I know what you need to do. Get your little space right there on your row. Because you need to tell your neighbor, I'm getting ready to lose myself right here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm getting ready to lose myself right here. I don't want to lose myself and hit you. I don't want to lose myself and pop you upside your head, but you need to give me a little space. Hallelujah. Because I'm thinking about how far he brought me from. I'm thinking about how many nights he's kept me through. I'm thinking about how many times he healed my body. I'm thinking about how many doors he opened that no man can close. I'm thinking about how many ways he's made out of no way. I'm thinking about when I was down, he picked me up. When I was up too high, he let me come back down. I want to tell your God is able. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I'm telling you the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I'm getting ready to lose it. I'm sophisticated. I'm educated but I'm getting ready to lose it because if it had not been for the Lord on my side where would I be wait a minute wait a minute wait a wait a wait a wait a wait you said what's the fruit Hebrews 13 and 15 said we bring the sacrifice of praise which is the fruit of our lips with thanksgiving unto God when you tell him thank you you're bringing him fruit from your own tree the thanksgiving is the fruit the praise is the fruit oh I dare you just raise your hand and say, thank you. <laughs> Can anybody say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> 
You know how folk are. Somebody said, what you laughing at? I tell you right now, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh! Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. Come on, come on, come on. God, we give you praise. Oh, open your mouth.